Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen, amen. It was on the mountaintop that God gave to Moses a tablet containing Ten Commandments. The purpose of those Ten Commandments was to be instruction that would guide them in the promised land. It wasn't meant to be rules to limit them. It was meant to, so how many of you know we can make a mess out of blessing? Amen. Can, God can give us a blessing and the next thing you know we've squandered the blessing and God gave them commandments so that they could live within the blessing and not make a mess out of it. Two things happened though on that mountain. One, God allowed them, he allowed his glory to pass by Moses. And I believe in this building today, the glory of God has passed through this place. And the only way that you haven't been touched by God today, the only way you haven't felt the glory of God and God hasn't touched your life is if you put up some barriers and some walls. And don't worry, God's not finished. But the glory of God is in and of itself, he didn't just stop there. He said, now I've got to give you some instruction. And we could leave here today and say, wow, we felt God. What a great move of his spirit. But I believe God brought a messenger today to give us a word, some instruction today. Amen. So here in just a moment, you, you all can return to your seats. We're going to, Brother Price is going to come. And I first want to say we're so honored to have the Price family Sister, Sister Tara Price, and amen, amen, their, their children, amen, we have been blessed to have them with us this week, and they've been awesome, we've had fun getting to know this family, amen, and uh, let's see, we got Eva is here, right here in the middle, Eva, why don't you wave so everybody knows who you are, all right, she's not waving, I'm embarrassing the life out of her right now, Eva's right here next, Dakota, tell them who you are, there you go, that's Dakota, next to her is Eva. And then we've got Rutley. Rutley is over here on the front row. Rutley, it's been so good to have you here this week. Amen. Rutley's over here. And Indy, Indy, since I saw him last night, he has grown a full uh, mustache and a goatee, but we're glad to have him here today. Amen. We're also so honored to have the West family, as Brother Henderson mentioned. Brother West has uh, preached here about two or three months ago. And uh, I think Annie, Sister Annie West, this is her first time being at Living Hope. And today she has uh, baby duty. She is taking care of Remy, their baby daughter, and uh, also Parker and Bennett. We're glad to have the West family with us. Amen. And I think Bennett has also grown a mustache and goatee. Amen. I think that might have been a Sunday school thing today. But we're glad to have all of them here today. And uh, let's, just, let's just give the West family a big hand clap. And, and I'm not going to linger here very long because I want Brother Price to come and preach. But this family, they were pastoring a church in a little town in Kentucky. And I don't think I'm exaggerating too much there, right? A little town in Kentucky, out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And God called him to the, to the middle of Washington, D.C. to start a church. To say that that was a big transition would be an understatement. That's like jumping out of a hot tub into an ice bath. 
just different cultures, different dynamics. But I want to say that I honor this family for being willing to answer the call of God. And I believe God is going to honor them. Amen. I believe God is going to honor them. He's going to bless them with the revival. And I told them anytime they want to come down, they just want to bring their family down. They're welcome at Living Hope. Uh, you'll, we'll probably see a lot more of this family. But I'm asking how many of you will partner with this family in prayer? Amen. We are already going to partner with them as a church financially. But how many of you will just say a prayer for this family? Every day when you say your prayers, you'll remember this family in your prayers. Amen. Amen. Can we stand together? The man of God is coming right now. We have been so blessed this week to have Brother Paul Price ministering to us. Amen. I want to say how grateful I am for his ministry. He's gotten right down and connected with these young people. He's preached on their level. But today we want him to preach to us whatever God has given him. So as he comes, can we welcome him with a hand clap? Come on, clap it to Jesus right now. Would you clap your hands one more time and let him know how much we love him, how thankful we are for what we feel in this place. Amen. Let me tell you, I was, worship service got going, and to be honest with you, Kay leaned over and said, man, I, I, don't, I don't know another place like this. And I said, to be honest with you, I'm having a hard time leaving because there's something special about what's happening here. There's something special about what's taking place here at Living Hope. My family has fallen in love with this great church and all the great people of this church. But honestly, what we've fallen in love with most is what we feel as we walk through. There's smiles. There's love for each other. There's affection. There's kindness. And there's also a vision for what God's going to do. And, and, and we, we thank you so much for that, and we appreciate that. It just feels good. Amen. It just feels good. I, I, um, I was walking in this morning, to be honest with you, a bit torn, but I felt very much so clarity just a little bit ago and then throughout the worship service. And I feel like God, I truly, truly believe that he does desire to do something still here today. And I'm going to ask you to help me. Let's just ask God to touch us one more time. Can you just help me one more time and say, God, I pray speak a word into my spirit, God. I'm asking in Jesus' name, God, we thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. Lord, we, we thank you for it. We trust your word, God. We have faith in your word, God. We have faith in your word, God. And we're here for you to speak to us today, God. And we believe, Lord, that you have orchestrated this moment, this time, God. We thank you for it. We praise you for it. Let us be changed today. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Everybody said amen. 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 I, I, I don't want to be too long here, but I do want to say to Josh and Jess Johnson, as good as it gets, as good as it gets, without a doubt. And I didn't know that when I said as good as it gets before that I also meant as a rapper as well. If you missed that, you can ask your pastor about that. <laughs> We have, we have also, we have fallen in love. I've known him for a long time, but not, not, I've really known your pastor, but not his family. And let me tell you right now that, that first of all, if, if, if your favorite preacher is not your pastor, you're messed up. I'll be honest with you. You got to, first of all, you got the best of the best in this pulpit week in and week. I, honestly. 
But I figured out one thing about Brother Staten is that he is what he is because he's got somebody kind of nudging him along. And, and she's quite awesome as well. Don't you think your pastor's wife's amazing? Is it all right if we take a little moment to honor them and let them know we love them? And every once in a while you find a divide between a great couple who's leading a church and their children because of maybe the focus and the priority that's been placed on a certain area. But when you're around these great, great kids that they have, and I say kids like I'm an old man, they're adults, really. But when you're around their incredible children, you find out in a hurry that not only do they share their passion for ministry, but they share, they share all the excellence that they are. It's also in them. And so it's amazing to watch that and see that also gives us hope as much, much younger parents coming behind them gives us hope that our kids will be the same. And uh, we love them so very much, but we also just love each and every one of you. We have loved this week. Amen. It's good to be with the West family, and I, it's, it's, there's no one like, there's no one like Jerry West in this world, and um, that is the truest statement I'll make today, um, but there's no one like him. And Andy, we pray for you all. We pray for you daily. Um, no, we love this couple so very much. And 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 I I am excited about what God's going to do. He might have come from a small town in Kentucky, but there's nobody in this world more on a mission right now than that great couple. He is about to walk into. The Bible says in Acts it says, "I have many men there." God's already set up something. I believe that without a doubt. God's already made a way, and He's just joining efforts with other with others that have done it. God's about to build a great, great, another great church in D.C., amen. There's going to be a revival in D.C. D.C. needs a revival, amen. I'm thankful for that, amen. And I'm going to hurry on here. If we can turn in our Bibles, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Actually, forgive me here. Let's go to verse uh, chapter 16 and 7, 1 Samuel 16 and 7. And we'll, we'll start here today. And I'm, I'll be mindful of your time. You guys have been just just amazing. And these young people, it's been so much fun hanging out with them this week and seeing what God's done in their lives. First Samuel chapter 16 and 7. The Bible said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height of his stature. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look on the things people look at. It's just... We see in the scripture often, but this is very important that we get the concept of this. This is, a, this is a concept more than just a statement. This is something that you need to understand in life as a concept. When you get a report, you need to understand that the Lord doesn't see the things that people see. I want you to hear me right now. I want you to hear me. Just I want to just take one moment here and nudge you to tell you right now, those who walked in with doubt, I want to tell you real fast, the Lord doesn't see or look the way that people see. Amen? It's, it goes on and it says that, that, that it, he doesn't see the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. People see other things. They, they, they gather what they can gather. But the Lord looks at the heart or the, 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 the main uh, part of it, the meat of it. There's something we got to gather in this, and I believe the Lord's going to speak to us today. I want to speak to you on the simple topic of the ministry of lily work. The ministry of Lily Work. Let's pray together one more time. God, we ask you and we thank you 
You're going to speak in this place. We thank you for it. We magnify you. And God, I'm asking, Lord, speak a deep word, God. I'm asking you use me today, God. I believe and I feel you here right now. I feel your presence. And we need it in Jesus' name. We desire it. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. When the Lord began to speak to Samuel, Samuel traveled 20 miles from Ramah to Bethlehem. And we know the story. The journey was as he carried this horn of oil in his hand, he was on a mission to anoint the next king. Saul had grown a little bit um, self-assuming, had, had began to step outside of certain things. The Bible actually says that an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him, that he began to struggle with some things. He allowed things into his life. And so Samuel was on a mission, understanding the magnitude of what was taking place, traveled 20 miles, gathered up everything he had, um, had arrived at Jesse's house, and passed through as he asked for all of the children. And as he looked at each and every one of them, we find that he said, and you know this well, but he said, are here all thy children? Are these all of your kids? And Jesse, who was struggling with the same mentality that you and I even struggle with today, that others struggle with, that those who have doubted us struggle with, those who say we don't have what it takes have struggled with, those who remind us of our past oftentimes struggle with, those, that mentality that is not of God, that, that mentality that, that did not come from God, the mentality of I'll never get there, that did not, let me just, that did not come from God, the mentality that you'll never be good enough, the mentality that you'll never accomplish what God set forth in your life, the mentality of constantly holding somebody down. Come upon Jesse a little bit, and Jesse said, well, there's one that is, that is not with us. And, and, the, and the Bible says that, that Samuel said that I, I want you to send and fetch him. Go as quick as you can and bring him here. And he says as he's holding on and gripping the oil in his hand, knowing that there must be a transfer, that there's got to be a moment. He said it does not matter what you think he's capable of. It does not matter what you think he can or can't do it does not matter. You see that, that the Lord said, I have noticed something that you may not notice and you may not uh, look for. And I've seen things that even Jesse has, has not seen. And there's been some moments we've had by ourselves, but, but more than that, there's something in the center of this young man that I can work with. And I, I, I want to bless in, in, in his life. And he says to Samuel, or he speaks to Jesse, Samuel does. And he says, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Now, I just want to pause for a moment and tell you that it's a bit mind-boggling that he could travel 20 miles but not take 20 more steps. And the reason why is that if you desire what God wants to do in your life, you're going to have to get up and you're going to have to approach the throne of God and get into the Father's house and say, God, I'm shaking off what everybody else has said and I'm getting rid of, of all the doubt and all the worry and I'm, I'm shaking off generations of, of, of what I can't do and I'm I'm making an approach into the, I've got to get out and pass the
the ones that were qualified. I've got to get out and say to the ones who went first and say, I know you don't understand and I know you didn't see this coming, but, but all I've been doing is spending time with God and now he wants to do a work in my life. And, and so he said, you got to get him in here. And, and David had to come into the house. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a moment of this concept coming into fruition. That God sees what you don't see, and God notices what others don't notice. And as you understand that, it's important for you to know that, that if that's the way that God works, then we should not live our lives desiring only to build things that God can see. We should not live our lives trying to project as, as our world and our culture has created and fostered this mentality of project an image and, and cast an image and let someone see certain things about you and, and make sure sure you look like you've got it together and make sure it all seems right and, and almost the withered hand mentality where we, we, we walk in over and over hiding what's ailing us but we walk out again just the same and, and we, we, we protect what doesn't seem right so that everyone sees the best of who we are. We got to be careful of projecting this mentality and this image to each and everybody that's around us we got to be careful to desire to do good deeds for men to see, to have applause. Matthew 6 and 3 says, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In verse 4 it says, give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything. The, the one who saw every the one who saw when you spoke a kind word to somebody in the gas station, the one, the one that sees you as you said, you know what, I just feel to bless somebody. The one who sees it, you don't have to post about it, he's already seen it. You don't have to declare it, he's already seen it. You don't have to draw attention to it, he's already seen it. The important thing I want you to see is he sees everything. He sees it all. He sees the moment you got up when you left the house and you were tired, but you walked into the house of the Lord and you see, you say, God, no one else knows what I've been through, but you, you see it. You see me worshiping through the storm and you see me coming into the house of God declaring that you are a healer in the midst of not feeling so great. You see everything. I, I remember when I was a kid and my dad was sick, Brother Staten, and, and I would go back to his office, and I was young, and we didn't have an assistant pastor, and my dad was so sick, no one knew it. We didn't know what we would do that morning. We had 150 or so people in the sanctuary, and, and he had this building, uh, this office on the side of the platform, and, and I walked in to check on dad, and he was so, so sick, and I was joking around at 10 years old, and, and said, if you need me to preach, I'll preach, and, and he chuckled every bit of energy he had, everything he had that day was there and he had gotten up as he always does at 5 a.m. was at the church early spending time in prayer many people that walk in to a sanctuary like this you don't know why it feels like this it's because early early in the morning there's somebody way before it's time setting the place and and, and giving God praise and, and 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 setting the tone for the day and and my dad though I remember I remember checking on him and saying dad are you gonna be okay and he said I, I, I'll be fine and when he got up he he, he kind of stumbled a little bit he was he was maybe 
50 years old, and he, he stumbled a little bit, and I grabbed his hand, and, then, and he was, his, his collar was wet from, from sweating, just a fever on his body. And, and these days, you'd say, don't go to church. Those days, it was okay. But, but, but he got up, and, he, and I didn't know how he was doing it. He stumbled across that office, and my dad was never really sick. When he got sick, it was almost shocking. But I remember thinking there was a magic door handle on his office door. Because I kid you not, when he walked to that door and he got to the, to the door and he reached up and he grabbed that door handle. And before he walked out, he stood straight up. He took a deep breath. And he said, let's go. And he walked out as if he had all the strength. He did not have all the strength in the world. He was feeling exhausted. He had had a rough few days. But he got up, and I remember him walking to his chair. And then he got up, and he preached that day. And I remember the message he preached was a message about God's a healer. How God, I'm telling you right now, sometimes you don't understand. And sometimes you're thinking, God, no one knows what I'm going through. No one knows what's happening in my life. But let me tell you right now, God sees everything. Your father who sees everything. The ones who went through the tough times. The ones who's been up since 3 a.m. The ones who walked in anyway and said, God, I'm going to walk into your place this morning and worship you. He sees everything. He sees it. And so, with that in mind, you must understand Doing the things nobody sees is important to God. The Bible tells us that as Solomon was ready to construct the temple, that he sends word to Hiram, the king of Tyr, I believe. Is how I, I may be, I'm from Arkansas. I'm pronouncing it wrong. Let's just be real. Tyre, Tyr, I don't know. But he sends a message to Hiram, and he says, I need your best supplies. And I need your best man. I need somebody who can, who can help me construct this thing. And, and Hiram got excited and he began to bring all the resources together, all the materials together and get all he could. And, and he pulls all these things together. And then he goes and he says, I've got somebody's name. His name's also Hiram. But he, he gives him a title, Hiram um, Abi. And, and, and he gives him this title because his name meant Master Hiram. And Master Hiram was the man that he sends to Solomon to, to build the temple that he was wanting to so badly accomplish in this time and, and he sends Master Hiram over to build this great temple but this Master Hiram was not missed by many people. He was not a celebrity. He was not somebody that they would say, oh he's the greatest builder in the world. This is, this is, this is not somebody that would be greatly missed just, just known by those who needed his service and so he calls him to come and, and as Master Hiram shows up to build, he begins working and he begins pouring himself into this temple and pouring himself into the work of each and everything that was there. But 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 22 says, And upon the top of the pillars was lily work. So was the work of the pillars finished. It doesn't say that they were completed before this. It says that they were completed in this time, but the question would arise and come to ask why and what would lily work be? 
Just for time's sake, these were pillars that were constructed of brass and, 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 and great, great materials. And, and, and about 30 feet tall would have been the actual pillar. But then the Bible says there was a chapter. And that chapter would have been something that would have been a, a broader base. And they weren't holding up anything. They were standing freely. About 63 to 67 feet high, they would have been standing in front of the temple. One named Boaz and one named Jake. And we were very symbolic. As you would walk through, you would know that that is the entrance of the temple that we are now walking into the temple this is the place they were to be seen by men people would walk up and they would look and say that Hiram built these things they're so great these are beautiful and Hiram knew that he would put forth effort and put forth energy in a building such beautiful beautiful uh, uh, um, columns in front of the temple but yet the Bible says that there was some work done on these lily works the lily works were not the main part of the, of the, of the column. The column which would have been poured into a, a clay mold that would have been set there to, to strengthen and settle and then erected and brought up in front of the temple. That was the work that was done for men. But yet there was another work that was done. The work that was done here would have been time spent whittling away and carving out and making sure that every detail was perfect. People would have walked by and said, Hiram, I'm sure you've got other things to do. I'm sure there's much other work you should be doing. I'm sure you could find a way to spend some time somewhere else. But yet he stayed the course and he worked and he worked and he worked. Nobody would come by later on and pat him on the back. Why is that? Because no one would see it. He knew these would stand in a place that no one would ever again see once they were lifted up. He knew, Pastor Satan, that no one would come by and pat him on the back. And he knew no one would say that's the best thing I've ever seen but yet he did it yet he did it yet day in and day out he did something that was calling himself above and beyond the task that was at his hands he knew without a doubt that no one would give him accolades the Bible discreetly passes by this and says on top there was lily work so they were done the Bible doesn't even give credit in the way that I believe it's truly possibly do why is that it's because it was never men from men's eyes. It was never meant for you and I to see. It was never meant for you and I to understand. It was never meant for us to applaud. It was always meant for the eyes of God and for God's eyes only. You see, Hiram knew that if I'm building a temple, I'll do something good for man, but I'll save the best for God. I'm going to build something in my life that is just for the eyes of God just for God's eyes, just for his eyes. Babe, I don't know if, you, if you're okay with this. And, and kids, I don't know if you understand this, but today we're going to find a place of prayer and we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to post about it. We're not going to tweet about it. We're going to do this just for the eyes of God. I'm talking about, I'm talking about taking time on a hot day. When I could, when I could, st no one would know if I stopped. No one would know if I quit. I got lots of work to do, Hiram probably thought. I got, I got lots, lots of effort. There's, there's other things I could do. I could, I could find myself working back here, but, but Hiram never did. He never desired that. He spent so much time 
so much time. Many, many commentaries speak about the most, most intricate details you could ever imagine replaced on the pillars. Talks about how the most expensive part of, the, of, the, of, that, of that tabernacle, of that, of that temple would have been on top of those chapters. The things that you and I could find most valuable today, if we could go back and take one piece off, we, the thing we could find as most valuable was on top of those columns, yet man never saw it. One fear I have about the modern church is that we are building a church for man's eyes. I worry as I scroll through Instagram on a Sunday afternoon, many times I see certain things and I wonder, well, why didn't we do any things before? Why, why didn't we do all these certain things? And I'm not knocking anything. Don't misunderstand me. I beg you. I beg you. Don't misunderstand me. But I just wonder sometimes if we didn't think the neighboring church could see us, would we really, really be doing so much work that we're doing? Is, is some, I, don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, but I, I hope my motivation is not to sit back and to, and to say, look here, I'm talking to this guy down at the road. And I want you guys to know, I hope my motivation is more to say, God, I want you to lead me to somebody. I want you to draw me into some place. I want you to bring me to a place where I can do a work. And I don't care who sees it. And I don't care who notices it. I don't care if anyone pats me. I don't care. I just want to know. The Bible says your father who sees everything, the one who sees everything. The one who looks down and sees the lily work ministry. I can't help myself, but Sister Naomi, I've watched you week, I watch you day in and day out. Sister Ed, I've watched you day in and day out. So many others who are here serving, and I'm not to please them. I know there's others that said maybe I wish I could. I'm just talking about a few that I saw this week. Sister, Sister Naomi brought, walking in, and, and, and every time I saw you had a vacuum today, I was not shocked at all when I saw a kid hiding under the table eating donuts, and guess who was standing by with the broom just waiting for her to get done? Sister Naomi. She said, I just figured I'd let her make the mess, and when she's done, I'll clean it up one time. And I couldn't help, but I thought, you know what, Naomi? That's lily work. That's what that is. That's lily work. I don't care if anybody pats me on the back. I don't care if anyone says, good job. I don't care if anybody says, I can't believe you're so great. She just says, you know what? Give me a broom. Why is that? Because I'm building something for God to see. I'm building something for God to see in my life. That... That terrible spoon you had the other day that broke, the handle broke. Y'all need to buy more expensive spoons at the church. That handle broke, and she was getting taco meat out, and she had a small little spoon she was getting, and she was smiling through it. And Sister Edda was working herself to death, and while I was getting seconds and thirds and fourths, my suits fit me way better before I came to Maryland. We got an issue on our hands, but yet they never said, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could. I wish people would clap their hands. For, no, no, no one ever said that. What they were saying was, I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this for God to do a work. I'm okay with no one seeing it. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm hurrying here, but listen to me right now. There's in our early days when my wife and I planted a church. And can I just be at home for a moment? I just, I, you guys have already, I, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. I just feel like I got to go there now. He's got to do it. You were thinking it. I was thinking it. Somebody even said it. Let's just do it. Sorry about that. When we went to Northwest Arkansas to plant a church, which I would, I'd give anything if we had this right here, to be honest with you. We would, if we would have had people like this, we went there and it was a little bit different. We didn't have an Uncle Jason and Aunt Valerie. 
I told them last night, I said, those boys are, I'm not sure how long, but they're going to be saying, can we go to Uncle Jason's house and Aunt Valerie's house? My kids might be saying the same thing, so we might just ship them up here for a few weeks. <laughs> I don't think Indy's going home. He loves these, these great people. Yeah, you go ahead and do that. Um, we went we started that church, and we got there. We were all by ourselves. Those few churches in the area, and we loved them. We were so, we were so lonely. There were days we didn't know exactly what we were going to do. We, we got this horrible building. I'm talking about a horrible building. It was a gift from God, but it was the worst building you've ever seen in your life. So bad that a missionary from Africa came through our second year. And we were standing outside and talking. And he said, man, you have a bad building. <laughs> when a missionary that lives in Africa, that's doing missions work in Africa, tells you in North America you got a bad building, you got a bad building. You've arrived. <laughs> you, got, you, just, you got it. You got it. This guy's like, he, he's like, we got a bad building. I'm like, yes, I've been telling everybody that. We got a bad building. This building was bad, I'm telling you. But it, it, was, we, we, it was a blessing for us. And we, we didn't know what to do. We walked in. It was, it was about the size of, of y'all's youth room. But it was, when we walked in, it was a mess inside. There were things. I'm not sure if everything, things that got in ever got out, to be honest with you. We were, my, my wife and I were in there, and we were cleaning it up. And we were, we were mopping up stuff that's probably been there for 10 years. We're thinking, Lord, help us. And she did what she does. She went and got paint and we started painting everything, and we were in there in that hot, hot. We had no running water for the first 30 days of our church plant. We literally, we were supposed to have it, and the day before we were going to launch our, our, our open our church, was before launching was all that and, and all this stuff. But we, we, they said we can't get your water on. You have a problem with your, with your main line. And so we literally had to have one person assigned to drive people to the shell station. If they said, hey, i got to go to the bathroom, we're like, okay, well, hop in the car. We'll take you. <laughs> it was awkward. I'm telling you, it was more awkward than what you're thinking right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but... But we were in that building, and we were painting away, we were just doing our best. And, uh, Angelique, Angelina, what's up, girl? I still got you. And so we were working, we are working, Angelina, and we are painting away, and we're, we're, my, we, we had got that room just perfect. And my daughter, who was, who was really young at the time, saw us painting, and she saw the dark, uh, we had like dark brown paint for one little thing, and she went over and got that paintbrush out. And she, while we, my wife and I were talking, that whole wall just had a big old, big old spot, and we thought... Here we go again. So we worked, we went to back to work and and even left her mark on that wall. And 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 here's the thing, we went home so tired. Over and over and over. We went home so tired. And we would walk into that church and we would set up the donuts and and we were doing our best. We were going to picking up people at the halfway house and we were bringing people in. It was so bad that we had people that we were working on driving, and I, I kid you not, we knew they were coming, and I watched them from the window and I, I was I was doing that whole thing, you know, and and watched them like in Jesus' name. And I watched this couple that looked at our building and they and he said something to his wife, and I remember seeing him put that thing in reverse and backed out. I'll never forget, forget the feeling of what in the world's happening. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the days of leaving that church, that tiny little building. Like just a few people praying that God would do something. And then I'll never forget as another one would come in and another one would come in. As another one would come in, and, and there are moments we, did, we, had, we, had, we had nothing. We did not even know 
how in the world we would get to the restaurant that day. And but yet we were trying our best to get these, these men that we packed in our car back to the place, trying to help them get through stuff. And we didn't know where it was going to come from. We didn't know. And we began to, we would get on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm not knocking anybody's results, but we would see people post that 48 got the Holy Ghost today and nine, got the, nine were baptized or even just one got the Holy Ghost. And, and we would look and we would try to compare things and we would, we would forget about some things that, that were going on, yet we were building a foundation and somebody else was reaping a harvest. And, and we didn't understand at the moment, but there were moments we would go home and we wouldn't even say a word to each other. She would take Eve and we'd put her to bed and we'd go sit down and just stare at the wall, not knowing, but everything changed on a certain day when we had to make up in our mind that I don't care if anybody else sees it. I don't care if anybody else notices it. I don't care if anybody else says great job. I don't care if any of that comes. I don't care. God sees everything we're doing, everything we're doing. And at that point, from that point on, it became about we got to get up and work in some lily work area today. We got to get up and whittle away. We got to get up and carve some things out. No one else sees it, but God sees it. And if God sees it, that's enough for me. If God sees what I'm doing, that's enough for me. That's enough for me if he sees it. I want to take your attention quickly here to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Bible says, and let's look here, verse 11 and verse 12. There's, there's, I, want you to, I want you to get this real fast. Because when you build things for God to see, He sees what you're doing. 2 Chronicles 20 and 11 and 12, it says, here they are. Rewarding this. Let me, just, let me just take a moment here and back up for a moment. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, in this moment, stood in the congregation and, and, and he sees all that's coming. And, and he begins to say, as he's speaking, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou, in verse 6 this is, and I'll, I'll read this quickly and we'll keep that scripture up. Art not thou God in heaven? I don't think he's saying, are, are, not you, are, are you not God? No, he's speaking of his might and, and what, he, what he is in his mind and what he is in his heart. He says, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? What he's saying is, I don't know what else to do. But aren't you able to do this work? Don't you have the ability, God, to do this? Verse 7 says, are, are, are not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people of Israel and gavest it to, to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And, and verse 8, and they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, if when evil comes upon us as sort of judgment and pestilence or famine, we stand before his house, of this house in thy presence, uh, for thy name is in this house and crying to thee in our affliction, when then thou wilt here and written in help and he, he's speaking and saying are you not that God is this not you are you not the one this is exactly what you spoke to us and so now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Seir whom thou wouldest not uh, let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt but they turned from them and destroyed them not behold he says I say now they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession which thou has given us, they've come now for us. He goes on in verse 12. 
And he says something that's so amazing because it's, 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 it's again, a piece of the concept of God seeing. Our, our, our God, oh, our God, that thou not judge them. For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know. We don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, God. I feel paralyzed by my situation, by my condition. I feel paralyzed by what I lack. I feel paralyzed. But I've been building things for you to see. And he goes on a little farther. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Instead of looking at the crowd, instead of looking at the people coming against us, instead of looking at everything that's coming against us, instead of looking at the danger in front of us, instead of looking at the struggles and the trials and all that's there, instead of looking at what I don't have, instead of looking at what I don't possess, instead of look, instead of sitting here on the backside of a hill, David, and thinking they've overlooked me again, and, and no one sees me, and no one sees what I'm doing, no one sees this and that, no one sees me, I'm just here with these stinky sheep and all these things that are going, I don't know what to do. David didn't do that. He said, they may not see me, but my eyes are upon you, O oh God. I'm looking at you, God, and Jehoshaphat said the same thing because he understood the concept of building something only God can see. He said, when they come against me, I'm not going to look and I'm not going to grab a sword. It's not going to do anything. All I know to do is say, God, aren't you the God of heaven? Aren't you the God that's above all? Aren't you the God that's able? We don't know what to do, but I want you to know thing as we stand here and as the people might fear a little bit, I know one thing that my eyes are upon you. I'm Looking at you, God, I'm looking at you. My eyes are upon thee. Now all Judah with the little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jehael, the son of Mataniah, the Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen to all of you, uh, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is verse 15. And you King Jehoshaphat, thus said the Lord, do not be afraid nor dismayed. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God's they, they simply begin to speak God we're looking at you and he said you don't need to be afraid I know what's coming against you but you've been doing something that I can see and because you've been building that I've been watching you and so the battle that's in front of you is not yours but it's mine the battle you're facing is not yours but I'm going to face this battle this is my battle this is my battle and so as you walk in weary as you walk in tired as you walk in broken let me encourage you right now don't get caught up don't get caught up and wondering if anybody notices if, if anyone sees it you just keep working and lily work you just keep pouring your heart out to God. You just keep getting up day in and day out. Saying, God, I'm going to trust you again. My eyes are upon you. Oh, God, my eyes are upon you. I'm asking, would you stand to your feet this morning? I, 
I, I feel I feel as if someone someone came today and you didn't know, but you needed a reminder. You needed a reminder one more time. You've been walking through situations in life. You're tired and you're weary. Thank you for already coming. I want to let you come this morning. If you feel a, a, a nudging in the spirit right now, I wish you'd come and lift your eyes high and say, God, I didn't know how and I didn't know what, but I, I, I still don't know what to do. But I'm looking at you, God. My eyes are on you, God. My eyes are on you, God. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you open your heart to him right now? Maybe there's a couple here today. You can join together and say, God, we're trusting you right now. We're trusting your word right now, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.